This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I interviewed Liz, who is pursuing surrogacy after a long road with infertility and not being able to grow her family the way she had planned. Uh, Liz and her partner are now going through surrogacy in Georgia. That's the country, not the state. And uh, I haven't interviewed anyone uh, about their surrogacy journey in Georgia. So I wanted to get Liz on because she's quite good at being really candid about her story and helping other intended parents find their way through the surrogacy maze. I'm going to hand over now to Liz. Uh, my name is Liz Tripodi and I am 42 years old and I am from Melbourne. And uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit nervous about doing something like this because I haven't actually spoken in public about any of this stuff at all. So this is a bit of a uh, a new thing for me, but something very exciting, and I'm hoping that it will be proved to be useful for people that might be in a similar situation to what you know has what has led us to this point in our surrogacy journey. Thank you. And I think you touch on a really important point is that when people share their stories, they're actually sharing, hopefully, for support and information for other people who are going through it or are about to go through what you're going through. So, Liz, how did you come to surrogacy? So, um, I've been, Michael and myself, we've been married for uh, 14 years. We've been together this year for 19. And we had tried like every other, you know, normal couple after you get married to try and have a family and you think it's going to happen. And the years tick by and they tick by and they tick by and it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. And I had a business that I was starting off and, you know, you put all, put all your time into that. Anyway, ended up at uh, Melbourne IVF at, you know, one point in time, like most of us do and had testing done and, you know, started the IVF process and, um, that wasn't successful. And then from there, went to Greece um, six times and did um, IVF over there and, you know, different fertility treatments. And, and it came down to I was just really unlucky person. I just can't carry. Um, and they did everything under the sun, every type of surgery, every type of new treatment, every type of, you know, infusion and at one point, I was on that much medication that my three doctors said I was at risk of having a stroke because they had never given anybody as much medication as they had me on. I was on 47 tablets a day at one point. And, yeah, and, and different injections and cancer injections and things going in my uterus and in my veins and in my, my you know, stomach and my bum and just places that you just don't ever think you're going to be, you know, injecting stuff. Anyway, the last time in Greece, it was pretty much we knew it was either going to be do or die. It was die. And um, our brilliant doctor over in Greece, who we became very close to, he said, Liz, I'm sorry. He goes, you are the only Australian patient that I've never been able to get pregnant. He goes, we can't do this anymore. He goes, I, we can't, it's just not going to work. And my fertility specialist here in Melbourne, who's amazing, he agreed. And then it was basically collapse in a heap. And what do, I, what do we do now? How bad do we want to have a family? How bad do you want it? Do you stop? Because I didn't know, I had one friend, uh, a gay friend of mine, who had gone through surrogacy in India a few years ago, but that was the only person I'd ever known. Surrogacy for me was 
something that you saw in a movie or it was just something that I never thought that we would end up doing. So originally we wanted to do surrogacy in Greece because we know the country well. My husband's from Greek background. Um, I'm Italian. We can't do surrogacy in Italy because it's illegal, um, even though I'm also an Italian citizen. Um, and But the cost in Greece, we spoke to the two clinics that did it, it was going to end up costing over 150000 Australian dollars and there was just no way that we could afford that because by this time we had already spent just over 100000 on everything that we'd already done anyway and it wiped us out financially. So I started looking at other countries um, as, as you do and started having, you know, Skype constantly consultations and then uh, you know I found out about the Ukraine because obviously the Ukraine had been very popular for surrogacy for Australians and then I stumbled onto Georgia um, and a lot of people when I say Georgia they think Georgia Atlanta in the US it's actually Georgia in Eastern Europe which used to be part of Russia um, and it hasn't been part of Russia now since 1991 I think so long story short narrowed it down spoke to every clinic in Georgia had advice from your good self, um, went to a surrogacy conference, but by that stage we were already booked to go and travel to Georgia. Um, pretty much did every type of research we possibly could and we went with our gut instinct because when we went over there last year in July, there was still hardly any, very, it's like a handful of Australian couples that had actually gone through surrogacy in Georgia. I think it was four or five. Now, almost a year later, there's actually so many more that, that we have found and, and that, are, that are doing it too. So we went to Georgia and we arrived in the middle of the night and we had narrowed it down to two clinics, the two big clinics in Georgia. And we picked a, a, the clinic called um, Chachava, which is actually the oldest maternity hospital in Georgia. It's been there for 150 years. And so they have an international surrogacy department inside the hospital itself. So that was really, it felt right to us. The coordinator was very warm and um, we got picked up in the middle of, you know, landed in the middle of the night. We'd arrived from Greece and they have an apartment inside the hospital and there was no one else there but us, four o'clock in the morning and no one spoke English. So the driver who, who picked us up anyway, my husband and I, we stood there in this apartment and there was a crib outside our apartment door. We are in a hospital, but it was like a cross between a day spa and a five-star hotel. And we both looked at each other with tears running down our face and we were like, what the hell are we doing here? Have we actually gone too far? We were exhausted. We were emotional. We are in a country that we had never been to before. Then we got a knock at the door at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning turn up with these two massive breakfast trays and we're peering out this window in this strange city of Tbilisi that we never thought would be on our visit list and then we met the coordinator about an hour later and we're just both walking in a daze she's taking us on a tour around the hospital and by this stage of course we hadn't signed contracts we were there to sign contracts but that first 24 hours that we were in Tbilisi we were sitting there and saying are we doing the right thing? Uh, what do we do? Um, and 
we both talked about the journey that we had been on and we both realised that we had felt the same way when we had first arrived in Athens for the very first fertility treatment in Athens, sitting in the doctors in Athens and saying, we've travelled across the world to come and have fertility treatment. And that feeling of unknown, and that's what it was when we, when we landed in Georgia, it was the feeling of unknown. So I said, well, let's go and do what we do well when we're in an overseas city, because my husband and I travel every year to Europe. I said, let's just get in a cab and go to a shopping mall, because shopping centres tend to be the same in whatever major city you're in in the world and it tends to ground you if you see some familiar familiar shops and some you know just a different environment so we got into a taxi like the uber system and this is the first time we're seeing georgia you know tbilisi in daylight and it was very much like athens it's a very old city but it's very clean but no one speaks english um, of course, the doctors at the hospital do and the coordinator does. Um, but the taxi drivers don't. People in stores pretty much don't. You know, restaurant staff, you might get one person out of 30 that speaks a little bit of English. Um, so we went to Tbilisi Mall, we walked around and, and then, you know, caught a cab back and we talked about everything and, you know, we, we had something to eat and we were starting to feel a little bit more normal. You know, then the next day we were, you know, taken to the fertility part of, of the clinic and explained and then the lawyers turned up and we're getting contracts in Georgian and contracts in, you know, in English and the notaries there and we had to give over power of attorney and it's a really big step and it's a really big step when you are, you know, this is it. For us, this was it. It was our absolutely our last chance to be parents. There was nothing else. And a lot of people that know our situation have asked, why haven't you done surrogacy in Australia? It just wasn't for us. Um, I'm an only child. Um, you know, I don't have... I did have a couple of, of girlfriends that actually did offer, but... It just wasn't for us to do it here. It was, you know, our names are on the birth certificate from the minute that our, you know, our, our child or our children will be born. Whereas, as you know, in Australia, it's not the case in Victoria for that. And that was really important to us after, you know, everything that we had gone through. And, and yeah, and, and it, was, it was cheaper. And ultimately, you know, it was the care that the hospital, the standard there was fantastic. The, the doctors really cared. They had a, you know, really good success rate. We felt really comfortable with them. And the instalments were a lot lower as opposed to the other agency that, you know, the other clinic that we could have picked and a big difference in costs. And when you've already spent so much money and you're wondering whether you are going to have to pretty much sell every item in your house to finance the next stage, every thousand dollars matters. It really matters. Tell me, whereabouts are you up to now? Because I know that was going almost a year ago that you were flying yeah. over there. Whereabouts yeah, are you so up to we, now? Yeah, so last year, we were there in July last year. And in January, um, so we found out we had a choice of, a, a, you know, three of three surrogates back in um, December. And after, you know, they do very vigorous testing and, and things like that. And so our surrogate is 31. And she's had a child before and, and that's the law there with Georgia. They must have already had a child to be a 
surrogate and uh, in really great health, great psychological help. Uh, I've been chatting with her via WhatsApp. She's really lovely and she just wants to, you know, this to work for, for, for us. So in January, um, start, actually, start of February, she had um, a negative, uh, we had a negative transfer. We, had, we only had four embryos. That's all we ended up with, uh, which was still good. But um, two, yeah, so two were transferred to her in January and that was a negative. And that was a bit, obviously, um, you know, heartbreaking because we had obviously met a lot of people over the last few months that had all had positives on their first, on their first try. Uh, and then her second transfer was on the 7th of March. And on Friday the 13th, we found out that she had a positive. And so we are now at 10 weeks this week and we are expecting twins. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Which is just my husband and I are like still in shock. It's still early days and we can only cross our fingers that, that everything um, goes as well as we hope. This is a really strange time that we're living in. I've got to say Chachava have been amazing. They're, you know, they're doing private transfers for the surrogate. They're limiting um, the amount of times that she's got to go to her checkups. They're delivering medication to her door. Uh, they are brilliant on WhatsApp. If I message them, two minutes later, I'll get a reply from either of the two doctors that are our doctors or our two coordinators. Their communication and their care and what they have said that they would deliver to us has been better than I expected. And I'm so thankful for that. And um, I know I'm a very organised person and I know that I... I'm a really good planner and all that sort of stuff. And, and I pride myself in my communication, but they've really looked after us and they really, they knew our journey and they knew they wanted to, you know, one of the doctors, she said, I promise you, we will make this happen for you. And look, they're big words. We promise. I mean, that's after years and years of disappointment. I mean, that's a huge thing to say, but they've delivered so far. I can't, I can't be more grateful. The surrogate, she's, she's lovely. She's really taking care of herself. She's keeping me up to date. Like on Wednesday, she, you know, um, wasn't feeling very well. And she said, I'm going to go to the hospital today, even though she wasn't due for a, um, a checkup. And so even the fact that she's caring enough to go over and do that for our children, that just means the absolute world. And so for the very first time in my entire life, I've actually brought some baby stuff and I didn't think at 42 that I'd ever get the opportunity um and I made my husband put together some head chest of drawers this week and I've never heard him swear so much in his life <laughs> sometime in all of that we've also ended up with COVID-19 lockdowns yeah. and all of that I know you won't be traveling anytime in the next few weeks but do you know what it looks yeah, like to get over there for the birth so I've We've already got flights booked. So once we found out roughly what our due date were, we've already got flights booked. They're going to have to get changed because now that we know that we're expecting twins, realistically, they're going to come probably a month earlier than what our flights are. The situation in Georgia at the moment is that the borders are closed and there are no flights into Georgia at all unless you are a Georgian citizen that needs to get in or out. However, I've had a very long-standing conversation with the Australian consulate in Turkey ever since we signed the contracts, and they have been fantastic to deal with. 
um, they have us registered. They know that we're going to be um, uh, intended parents and they have our passport numbers. They know that we're going to be travelling. We will get special consideration clearance to leave Australia when we need to. It only takes 12 hours for that approval to come through from DFAT. So I'm already really organised, even though we're only in April at the moment. Um, so we're going to be looking at probably October. I'm looking at... Uh, the other thing is, too, the Georgian Ministry of Health also do require the Australian consulate to contact them to say, this, this couple have got children that are due to be born in Georgia. You need to let them have permission to come into the country. So, yes, we can get into Georgia. How we are going to get into Georgia is going to be dependent on what flights are going to be available to get us to Asia. So I'm hoping by October either Singapore, Bangkok or Hong Kong are going to be open up for us to fly there because I do not want to fly by the states in any way, shape or form. And the other issue is, and I know there's Australian people there at the moment that are stuck um, because, you know, they can't get in or out. The other issue for us is by then we still might have to go into quarantine depending on what the Georgian law is for 14 days. So there is a possibility that we might miss the birth of our children. Um, because we will not be allowed to go. We have to go straight to our accommodation by the Ministry of Health's law when we land in Georgia. That's what their rules are now. So, look, the surrogates, everything in Georgia is closed except for the chemists and the hospitals and the supermarkets on various days. Um, the surrogate's taking really good care of herself. The medical team are doing everything they can. Some of them are working from home as well, um, our coordinators working from home at the moment. Look, Sarah, it's out of our hands. It really is for everybody that's on this journey at the moment. It's one day at a time. There is nothing more that I don't think that we could be doing as a couple. I know that Chachavar are doing everything that they can. Um, the risk of obviously pregnant women um, getting COVID-19 is extremely low from cases around the world. So I'm not too concerned about that. But my health hasn't been great this year, so I do have to watch my immune system because I've had three hospital stays already this year with respiratory issues. So it's just a day at a time. That's all it is. Mm. And I can imagine that other intended parents that are in similar positions must also be stressing about trying to get out of Australia and into the country where the babies are due. So tell me, yeah. I guess, how did you, I want to go back a little bit, how did you end up choosing, say, Georgia overlooking at perhaps like the United States or Canada or deciding on Ukraine, for example? The US and Canada um, didn't interest me at all. I think I'd probably read too many stories that it just didn't, just didn't fit well. It, it needed to be Europe for us, for both being from European backgrounds, um, with the fact that I do travel a lot to Europe as well. And I mean, and the other reason is it did come down to cost. Um, Georgia at that time was a lot cheaper than what the, even the Ukraine were offering. And the Ukraine just didn't interest me. I didn't want to go to Kiev. I'd watched some documentaries of some surrogates in Australia who had some difficulties with their medical system over there. So there was just some, flat, you know, just some warning signs for me that didn't work for me. I know it's worked for a lot of other people and that's great. But um, from everything at that point in time, why we picked Georgia was for, you know, there's no crime in the city. It's very safe. Um, 
It's a very cheap country. The people and the culture, they're very friendly. They're very family orientated. So it needed to be somewhere where I felt safe if I was going to have to be there on my own for any um, period of time as well. Did you look for advice from other people in the industry when you were making your decisions? I reached out to... I mean, I was searching, you know, Google searching, you know, things and I had reached out to some some uh, legal advice um, before I'd found yourself and some, you know, some other organisations and some, you know, some support groups and things like that. And I found it extremely overwhelming and I found it extremely overwhelming as someone who had just started the process that I felt like everyone was just out to get money. And when you have already spent so much money, look, you don't enter surrogacy. And look, I'm, I will say I'm fortunate. I haven't gone through cancer. And, you know, I know a lot of women in my situation who have had really sad medical stories. Um, and my story is not sad. There is actually med- not medically nothing wrong with me apart from my lining does not get thick enough for an embryo to attach. That's just the bottom, the bottom line. Um, but I was still producing eggs. I was still producing good quality eggs, even at my age, which is quite, you know, miraculous. Um, but I found a real, I found a really, a lot of unscrupulous people. I had, you know, one, um, you know, one organisation that I had contacted and said that I wanted to have a meeting, passed on my details to surrogacy clinics overseas that I hadn't even, um, I hadn't even asked to, to want to go to these particular countries. And I get emails from these doctors saying, let's set up an appointment and chat. Like, I was just horrified that someone would pass on my personal details when all I was doing was making an inquiry for their services and then they were trying to poach me to go and sign with their clinic. And I found that was just, I think there needs to be some sort of more regularity with surrogacy services in this country because there are people out there that are preying on people that don't know any better. And I'd like to think that I'm a very smart person. I've been in business for a long time. I'm well aware of scammers and I, my radar is always up, but I urge people to do their research and do not go for the option that you don't just trust one option. You need to speak to real people, real people that have gone through the process, not people that have an agenda, that are trying to push themselves, make themselves more money, who really don't care about your situation and they might give you some dodgy clinic that has no intention of following through or some dodgy legal advice that does not apply to you because you don't live in the state of Queensland. Like, it is such a complicated issue and it is so important that everyone does their due diligence. And what, as an example, what works for a heterosexual couple is not going to work for a gay couple. There are things that are very different across the board. What might work for a woman that has had cancer is not going to work for a woman like me who just can't carry. What might work if you have your friends wanting to be your surrogates yet you wanting to go overseas, again, is a different story. So everyone needs to be very respectful and very mindful, very mindful of everyone's personal situations. And when giving advice out, whether it's to professional for a personal point of view just know that the reason why these people are at this surrogacy point is because there is nowhere left to turn there is no other option 
you are at the end of the line. You do not get to surrogacy without being so desperate to want to have a family. And in our case, married heterosexual couple who have been together for a very long time, both extremely family orientated from European backgrounds, family is everything to us. And we're no different from anyone else, gay, straight, whatever. Love is love. Family is family. I think I really appreciate um, your passion and also that you give really good advice about that sort of buyer beware for anyone that's exploring surrogacy, whether it's here or overseas, that they need to consider where their advice is coming from. I always suggest that people get advice from more than one source and to kind of cross-check that advice and to get advice from other intended parents. Have you had advice from other IPs that's been useful? Yeah, well, I was um, I was involved with a with a Facebook group uh, specifically for Georgia, which I've just left over the last couple of weeks because I needed to take some time out for myself. But I've met a lot of intended parents around the world who um, who were new to the process, who have now gone on and signed with various clinics in Georgia, um, and I've. Um, met some uh, Melbourne couples. I mean, one lives 10 minutes away from us. We're going to have this little community of Melburnians that are going to have babies from Georgia, which is, I think is a really lovely um, position to be in. But there's also people from the UK and people from Ireland and, and um, people from the States. And it's, um, it's, it's a really nice position to see that more people are picking Georgia um, as, as a destination to, to go to start their family and it's not going to send you broke. Mm. And I think that's really important because, you know, you've spent so much money already. I think it's, um, it's been really interesting to hear your viewpoint and also to hear your update about where you're up to. Thank you. And good luck. I look forward to hearing good Thank news you. about those babies coming so and you getting over there. Well, you'll be helping us. So uh, I really appreciate it. Good. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.